Hey everybody, welcome to Applying to Everything, a show about our passions, the world, and where they overlap. I'm your host, Bruno Falcon. This week, I sit down with producer and filmmaker Wilhelm Hesse to talk about filmmaking, the future of media in Ghana, and keeping a foot in two worlds. Enjoy! You just finished up your master's at mm-hmm. America in the fall. Remind me, is it was it a master's in filmmaking or a master's in production? So it's a master's in producing. Okay. It's not production as in like going on set to shoot. Um, it's more of the back end of filmmaking, mm-hmm. which is planning, pre-production, mm-hmm. you know, kind of budgeting and all that stuff. All yeah, the, yeah. Figuring out how to solicit for talent, how to figure out what is good content and stuff like that. You know, as a producer, you should understand stuff like that. Right. So it's a whole course. Pretty, It's pretty good. It's a pretty good course. Um, immerses you in, you know, what the industry is right now. And yeah. which is interesting. What you need. Yeah, it is interesting. What you, what you need to kind of get in there, you know. Um, this is it's still a long way from actually being in the industry. And even after graduation, it's a little crazy trying to find a good place you know yeah to kind of well especially dc's experience dc's community is a little bit it's a different it's a different game from like new york and la do you lean towards nonfiction over fiction like where where do you think your your end game is in terms of in terms of interest end game wise i mean eventually i'd like to focus more on fiction mm-hmm. than nonfiction. Mm-hmm. but right now um so, for example, I did my thesis film on an, uh, it was a nonfiction project. Sure. Um, I was trying to do a fiction project, but, you know, as fiction goes, it's all imagination and my imagination wouldn't allow me to work within three months. Sure. But it's also a project that I really want to work on. You know, it's a project um, that would look into um, the state of the um, film, in, film industry in Ghana. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's a place that I want to be at. Um, and I want to create some big um, impact, or to make bring some bring bring some 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 big some big changes into. It's, it's it's a it's an area I want to bring some big changes into. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot that can be done in there. It's a very small industry, mm-hmm. um, and people are in there and they're surviving and they're creating stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of chaos, and a lot of things needs to be straightened out for you know both filmmakers and investors and you know film lovers and everything mm-hmm. you know but i'm also very much interested in nonfiction stuff especially documentaries can you tell us a little more about about what filmmaking in ghana is like now um and then and then how the can you tell us a little bit about that mm-hmm. and how your project would you know look into that and mm-hmm. and sort of forward facing what what your what the project would would want to do in terms of you know, either shedding light on some of the problem areas in the mm-hmm. in the culture, and mm-hmm. and you know, offering suggestions for for what would come next. Little history on the Ghana film industry. So it started with like the British when when during colonization days, mm-hmm. you know, and you know they kind of needed to essentially make films for their people. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to, they needed to show their people this is what we're doing outside the country. Mm-hmm. You know, when we travel around and colonize all these people this is what we're doing Mm -hmm. this is this is their way of life you know um so they brought in a lot of equipment and stuff Mm -hmm. set up a lot big studios and stuff Mm -hmm. you know but after independence in in 57 you know everything kind of transitioned to the government of ghana and our president at the time kwame nkrumah he uh he decided he learned from the british he's like well they were using the media to show because he had studied in the uk and in various countries you know so he 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 saw how they were using media Mm -hmm. to influence the the image or to 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 how they were the image that they were using media to create in their country Mm -hmm. so he decided you know the best way for people to understand what independence is and what is to move forward you know would be to use the same media that they're they were using, mm-hmm. you know, and now that it's transitioned to us, why not? Right. So the government started with 
documentaries, mostly documentaries off the government. It was more of, it was more promoting the agenda of the government mm-hmm. and trying to get people to, you know, think positive, think how can we work to, you know, make the country a better place, mm-hmm. essentially. Right. You know, teaching people to work for themselves, you know. Now we're on our own. We're no longer under the British, so we mm-hmm. need to figure out a way to develop our country, you know. So fast forward a couple of coups after that, you know. <laughs> um, um, subsequent, as the governments changed, mm-hmm. the interest in media started dropping. Right. You know, and... Um, from the government perspective. From the government perspective. Because at that point, it was only the governments that was running mm-hmm. that had the access, that had all the equipment. Mm-hmm. In the, the, the first government was very interested in it. They set up the school. We have mm-hmm. this one film school in all of West Africa. I don't know if there's more now, but um, for a long time, the film school in West Africa was called NAFTI. It's NAFTI, mm-hmm. and it's in Ghana. Mm-hmm. It was set up by Kwame Nkrumah. Mm-hmm. And people came from all over the country. They all came to Ghana to come to learn mm-hmm. the craft, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. we had the equipment and we had, we had the technical people. Mm-hmm. As it was going along, you know, um, later in the eighties, um, individuals started. You know what? We can make films. Mm-hmm. You know, we can tell fictional stories. Yeah. So um, um, people started telling. People started using the government's equipment to tell really. To, to, to make movies. Mm-hmm. And because they had the equipment and the education for it, they were doing really quality stuff. Right. You know, um, and to your listeners, you know, you could look up one of the really good films that came out of Ghana during the 80s is, um, or was, um, Love Brewed in an African Pot. Mm-hmm. Um, the director's name is Kwao Ansan. Um, it made the rounds around the world um, and, you know, got Ghana really really i got the mad props mm-hmm. on filmmaking you know and a lot of good films came out after that you know so fast forward again a couple of coups later after <laughs> that again um interest was dropping mm-hmm. and with interest dropping in the film industry and the media industry um the government decided to sell mm-hmm. the industry to malaysians okay when when the malaysians came in now they had control over all the equipment and all the studios, because right. we had one big, one big studio. And now all the filmmakers that were using this equipment and stuff were now cut out. Right. And so for a while, we, we were not getting films. So individuals now started, you know what? We can do this ourselves. Mm-hmm. So people started buying um, their own equipment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or whatever they can find. Mm-hmm. Started producing pretty much home video, home video type movies. Mm-hmm. You know, doing things on their own. And then that started like the independent type filmmaker stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and a lot of people started setting up their own companies, trying to get it, started getting their own equipment mm-hmm. and doing their own thing, you know. And everyone had their own small audience that they would target. Sure. You know, um, now within that time, there came a divide. There's a town in there's a, a town in Ghana called Kumasi, mm-hmm. and um, the people there speak they speak Chui, so they also started making movies for themselves, because a lot of the movies that were being made were all in English, you know, and they all had kind of maybe far fetched storylines that you know your regular person could not relate to, so they started making their own films. So it's like film for the masses, for mm-hmm. if you may. You know, and a lot, a lot more people in the country speak Chi than they speak English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So 2017, that's kind of where the industry is. There's this division between the local language um, movies um, in Chi and then the um, English movies. Mm-hmm. And the Chi ones are, they, they're classified as Kuma wood. The, Ga- the English ones are classified as Gollywood, you know, <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my project, my project shines a little light on these um, two factions, if mm-hmm. you may. So each of them, each of them is an industry on their own, you know, and for the most part, they don't mix. Um, there's only a few people who have been able to transition from Kumawood to Gollywood, if you may. Mm-hmm. A lot of actors and producers do not 
consider themselves as part of any of those factions. They like we stand by ourselves and we do our own thing. But the transition doesn't happen easily. It's a lot of people who have tried to come over to the Gollywood side and hasn't worked well for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people just stick with Kumawood because I assume it's more easy going down there or mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. if you may you know um but there's a divide they they serve different markets there's a different there are different messages sure and you know for me when i look at it i feel like the revenue streams are also a little bit different and the income is also very different and the budgets for the films are also very different sure. kumawood is very cheap sure gollywood is you know, mansions, Range Rovers, sure, the um, whole, you know, Mercedes like, and all you think that of, stuff. When you think like mm-hmm. U.S. and European exactly. production teams, yeah. Or, when, you, or, when, when you think Gollywood, you can think, you can think Tyler Perry kind of ish. Sure, Gollywood kind of looks like Tyler Tyler Perry stuff movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's very independent ish, somewhat Tyler Perry, somewhat Lifetime movies. Sure, with a little more maybe class, if you may. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's very classy. Now, when you think Kumawood, you think typical Africa kind of stuff sometimes. You know, what people would, you know, village, a village setting. People live in mud houses or people live in places with, like, no electricity, mm-hmm. you know, bad roads. You know, people don't speak English. Mm-hmm. Everything is just easygoing. Sure. You know, it looks more, for me, Kumawood is more like a stage play that is off the stage and in, like, a, actual like home setting Mm -hmm. you know and gollywood is that plus more sure right now the most important thing for anyone is where's the money yeah my idea is to follow the money Mm -hmm. or to find where the money is Mm -hmm. and essentially see where the money is going so follow the money the idea essentially is to look at both sides of the coin Mm -hmm. um talking to producers on both sides talking to actors on both sides, talking to crew members and stuff on both sides. Thing is, crew members crew members transition between both industries. Crew members go back and forth because mm-hmm. it's the same people who work on all the movies most of the time. But actors do not mm-hmm. and producers do not. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a few issues here and there, especially for actors when you're starting out. Mm-hmm. Especially on the Gollywood on the Gollywood side or on the English speaking side, mm-hmm. you know, there's this thing where people work and they're not paid on time. Right. I've I've experienced this. I used to, I worked on a TV series. I wasn't paid for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get my money till a year after, mm-hmm. and this is this is because I was pushing and pushing and mm-hmm, pushing. Mm-hmm. And um, you would argue, well, I worked, I went to work on the set and then I came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the issue because I know people who worked in other, on, with the same producers and mm-hmm. stuff. And two years later, they still haven't been paid. Oh, God. You know, and so I asked, the, so that begs me, you know, the question I ask myself is, do the producers not have the money? Mm-hmm. Have they not been paid by their investors or sponsors or whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, why is it taking so long to mm-hmm. pay your talent? Are some people being paid while some some people are not are not being paid? Right. Does everyone get equal treatment? Right. You know, because what I do not know is is everyone being treated the same way? Mm-hmm. You know, and what I assume is my answer is no. Mm-hmm. If you see an actor who's working with the same producer constantly, mm-hmm. you assume. They're being, they're being, yeah, they're getting, they're they're getting taken care of. Yeah. You know, if you see an actor who shows up once a while, you know, not that a a lot of factors would determine, you know, why you pick one actor over the other. But if there's one person who keeps showing up in all your films, then we can assume that person is your favorite. Sure. You know, so do you treat that person the same way as per other people, especially beginners? like new actors in the field Mm -hmm. because there's also this thing where producers feel like they're giving people a platform Mm -hmm. because well i'm giving i'm giving you this platform to act if you do good and because you're in my film Mm -hmm. automatically you're gonna get like 
other things coming for you. Sure. You're going to get like ads. You're mm-hmm. going to get like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're lucky, you get like endorsement deals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So does that, is that enough to say, well, you didn't pay me, but you gave me exposure. Right. So, and how much, like, or, or how much does that play in? Exactly. You know, is how much of that give and take? Uh-huh. And and there's also, it becomes the sort of self, this self-replicating mm-hmm. cycle of mm-hmm. like, well, I'm helping you get exposure, you get exposure, therefore my project gets exposure. And so we're going to keep doing more projects. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think you see some of that stateside in the industry too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see it like, I, you know, you brand, you find the talent that you like who works for the project you're working on and sort of then build on that one thing one thing that that struck me do dps like do directors of photography uh you know do the, the camera crews and the lighting crews do they do when they do a lot of back and forth are the equipment set up pretty standard across the board like i mean like are the cameras are the cam- like your camera and light kits are their major swings one way or the other from my understanding on on both sides of the of the of the coin mm-hmm. there's not like a ton of equipment right a lot of producers usually have their own equipment mm-hmm. um and then they get like a dp to come and shoot for them right so maybe they're shooting like a sony fs5 mm-hmm. you know they have like a task cam mm-hmm. and then a boom you know on what i can say what i can say about you know that the com- the two industries in, in terms of equipment is on the gallywood side they have they have let's say they have more refined equipment mm-hmm. on on the kumawood side i would i assume you know cuz this has i haven't i don't know what how, how it has been how it is now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i haven't done the research into that side of things but before they didn't have so much they didn't have really good equipment Mm -hmm. and they didn't care so much because if you watch their stuff Mm -hmm. if you should watch a kumuwood film and a gallywood film Mm -hmm. um you would see the difference in image quality Mm -hmm. um you would see and that could also be because the person using the equipment doesn't necessarily know Mm -hmm. how to use it but i know they're shooting at least i know i've seen behind the scenes pictures of like a Kumuwood film where they're shooting in black magic. Mm-hmm. But their films don't look black magic quality. Right. You know, so I would say some of them, some of the producers on that side have the equipment. Sure. They have, they have your basic say in indie movie mm-hmm. equipment. Mm-hmm. They, I don't, I don't see them having, they shoot with like led lights, mm-hmm. like the big rectangle panels, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have, or unless they need it, they would go get it. If they need big lights, like mm-hmm. a 2K or a 4K, mm-hmm. I don't know how. The biggest I've seen on the set may be a 2K. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, then that was on the Gollywood set, you know. But there's refined talent on the Gollywood side. There are a lot more people who have kind of, if you find an editor, it's, pro- it's, very, it's very possible that that editor went to school for it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. If you found a, sign, a sound guy, possibly that person went to school for it. So, you know, if you go on the Kumuwood side, my assumption is a lot of the, fe- a lot of the people there are just guerrilla filmmakers. Sure. I, I can, they can edit. They can cut pieces together. Mm-hmm. And Kumuwood is not necessarily, they don't do a lot of, example, when it comes to editing, they shoot long scenes. Sure. You don't need to edit you that. You don't need to edit, yeah. You know, they shoot really long. They have like five minute scenes mm-hmm. and it's just people talking. Mm-hmm. And there's been this rumor of like Kuma with people not having scripts because they speak the local language. They speak in tree. It's hard to write down what they, what you want them to say exactly, you know, because it's their language. They know how to say things to make it funny, you know, and sometimes the conversation can go on forever. So it's like, there's not much to cut around in mm-hmm. a Kumuwood film. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the scene is there, one camera shot, mm-hmm. maybe one, two or three close-ups here and there, mm-hmm. and we're done. You know, you get the message. You don't need to see close-ups of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to see the cutaway of the person picking up the pen mm-hmm. or the knife. Mm-hmm. You see them picking up the knife, they pick up a knife. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the shooting is done in the day. Sure. Uh, so there's a lot of natural light. Mm-hmm. Um, and... 
interestingly, a lot is shot outside as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot. A lot is shot outside. So it's like run and gun. Mm-hmm. You know. And there's also a rumor that Kuma with producers are come. They're like shooting two or three movies a month. So it's so, just like fast turnaround. Yeah, it's all about it's, it's, it's all about volume production. Just turn it out, turn yeah, it out, turn it out. You know, and say two, three years ago, like one film would have eight different parts. Maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating, but you know, there's part one, part two, part three, part four, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, and part one comes out at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Part two comes out next month. Part three comes out the month mm-hmm, after. Mm-hmm. Part four comes out, and you know, right. and it if, just they, keeps if the story feel if they feel like the story needs to keep going, the story is going to keep going. It's going to keep going. So you know? what are what are like what's the audience? What's the interaction with the audience exposure? Like how much of it is online? How much of it is like physical circulation? How much of it is like is mm. is there a, is there a strong theater community? Uh, so Kumuwood guys don't do theater, right? Um, Kumuwood guys they shoot straight to. Not even DVD. They shoot straight to VCD. Now, VCD is 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they shoot, go into edit, burn it on DVDs or VCDs, and they go to market mm-hmm. physically. Yeah, physical market. Yeah. You know, some of them have their own distribution shops around the market, like the public markets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they, they take their things there, hand it to their people, or their people who buy it from them, and then they sell it. You know, um, so say they buy it for maybe 50 cents, they sell it for a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's all quick turnaround. Sure. You know, they a movie comes out. Um, sometimes they hire a truck. They call it a float. Mm-hmm. Um, they get speakers on there. They find um, performers and stuff singing, driving around town, essentially selling CDs on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are just buying off of the street and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're going through the markets. They have people walking around and selling these CDs, you know, and it's very, it's very fast, you know. So a movie comes out today, they need to sell it within the month, you know, to make, to make room for part two. Sure. You know, now what happens with Kumawood, what I have noticed with them is they make, say a movie has part one, part two, part three. Part one comes out this month. Next month is on TV. Mm-hmm. getting ready for part two. Right. So if you didn't buy part one, you can see part one on TV, but then you have to go buy part two to finish. Okay. You know, and that's how they kind of sell it. When part three comes out, they're going to show you part one again, and then maybe part two if they want. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go buy part three. Mm-hmm. So Kumawu doesn't do theaters. Right. They now... Direct distribution and TV. Direct distribution and TV. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they are behind online. If you go to YouTube, there's a lot of African films on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the producers are behind it or people are just pirating and putting them and there. Putting it up. Yeah. Um, but they also end up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot. If you go and you type African movies, you will find a lot of African movies or Ghanaian movies. You would find a lot of it. So that's your, that's kind of their distribution, mm-hmm. you know, straight to VCD, straight to market, and then on TV. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where their target is. When you come to the Gollywood side or the English-speaking movie side, they do theaters sure. because they target, like, middle class, uh, upper class people, mostly middle class people. Mm-hmm. Middle class people have the money to go to the theaters. Poor people don't want to go to the cinema to see anything. Sure. You know, they'll, they'll go there once in a while. You know, it's not a regular thing. You know, the budgets on the Kumud side are very small. Sure. Gollywood side, usually a bigger set, um, relatively bigger, not extremely huge. Um, but they spend a lot more money on equipment and they spend a lot more money on post-production um, and costuming and props mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot more money on there. So quality-wise, you can see the difference. Distribution-wise, Gollywood goes to cinema. They go straight to cinema mm-hmm. after release. They have premieres like in Hollywood and stuff like that. But in Ghana, we don't have a lot of theaters. Mm-hmm. So we have maybe three theaters now, I think. Um, in the past, we used to have a lot of kind of home theaters right. where um, people would set up their own. They have their own compound and they set up a small 
kind of they have a screen in there people walk and people pay money and then they watch a movie mm-hmm. all those things kind of died so now we have a big one we call it's called the silver star um mm-hmm. it's in the mall i don't know how many screens they get for each premiere i'm mm-hmm. assuming they get just one screen because they're also competing against hollywood movies sure and a lot more people would go see a hollywood movie rather than see a Ghanaian movie unless they feel like it's worth their time or unless there's some mm-hmm. there's nothing better showing at the theater mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so for gollywood after cinema they go to dvd some of them very very few are able to get on netflix sure there's this website called real african r e e l and it's like a video on demand service mm-hmm. um for african movies some movies end up there as well and then that's pretty much it some of them who have the funding go out of the country they would go to nigeria to premiere um cuz ghana and nigeria does a lot of collaborations sure if they have some south africans in their film they might go to south africa to premiere it as well mm-hmm. and if they have enough money they would go to the uk and sometimes come to the us right um to premiere the films as well if they feel like they're going to get a lot of people to come see it yeah but that's usually not guaranteed mm-hmm. you know i don't mm-hmm. I don't I haven't heard of people doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. When it comes to reaching fans, it's all on like a personal basis mm-hmm. for each actor. Right. Cuz the actors are the faces. You know, um in Kumawood, we have this real popular guy now. Um his name is Lil Wayne. Kind of after Lil Wayne. <laughs> but he yeah, his is Lil Wayne, mm-hmm. W I N. He got a hang of social media real quick. Right. And he got a hang. He understood the importance of collaboration very quickly in his career. Mm-hmm. Um he was a stage performer, um comedian. And Kumuwood is all about comedy. So if you're able to make the people laugh, you move forward. You know, and he's able to make people laugh. He makes everyone laugh, you know. So he started off, you know, with the movies and he started collaborating with like musicians, making his own music. you know collaborating with different acti- artists here and there and then you know he started going off on social media now memes and stuff help him I've helped mm-hmm. him as well you know a lot of people have used his the stuff that he says in movies as memes and stuff like that so he's become very very popular and he interacts with his crowd his audience that way you know right. his fans and you know most of the actors have social media pages and stuff and that's how they interact with their fans right I mean everywhere you you want to find the people who have who can pull a crowd to your movie. Right. A couple of the new up and coming the up and coming producers and actors are using social media really to their advantage, you know, and a lot in Ghana people have phones. People have a lot more phones than they have computers in Ghana. Mm. People are always connected on their phones. People are always on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter stuff like that. So that's the way to reach people. You know, in Ghana that's the way to get an audience. to kind of follow what you're doing. Right. And then once you have that audience like anywhere else, once you're able to pull the crowd, you're going to get all the you know, yeah. endorsements and where people pe- people, people are paying attention. Yeah, people are paying attention yeah. to you and mm-hmm. I feel like up and coming producers or even the current producers should be able to find a way to leverage to leverage um talent from both sides of the of the of the of the aisle mm-hmm. because If you go to Kumuwood, Kumuwood is attacking, well, it's not not attacking. Kumuwood is 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 making films for the masses. Now, if you if you have I mean, the con- economics of it is, you know, they have a lot more people watching their films sure. than the the Gollywood guys. Sure. Because Gollywood guys are competing with Hollywood. Right. Every any day of the week. It can, and it's not even in theaters. It's like, would you rather watch a Gollywood film or would you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> or would you rather watch that? Yeah. Or would you watch this versus Avengers or this versus that? Mm-hmm. You know, would you rather watch a Kumuwood film versus Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm-hmm. Probably go watch a Kumuwood film or watch both. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Because I, especially you know, if you're, yeah. if it's all short film work, I mean, you can you can make you have space for both. Right. You know, it's like for for Hollywood films in in outside the country, outside uh, outside the US, Hollywood films that make it outside of blockbuster films. Yeah. 
They're the big ones. Yeah, the, the big, the, the, the big, big ones. The big blockbuster ones. Otherwise, no one really cares about it. Mm-hmm. How much of this is competing with BBC and like and the the British and European production teams? Like, I know you're looking you're looking at less feature production that's getting you know international distribution, but you're still like there's especially BBC's got so much of their digital push. Mm-hmm. Um, the the new BBC push over the last couple of years has been much more about mobile and social. Um, and their their content production has been much more, arguably, much more inclusive mm-hmm. and and a whole lot more consumable than a lot of the the uh, U.S. stuff. Like mm. they they sort of BBC gave it, it, U.S. cable and and uh, and television have adopted the BBC one hour model mm-hmm. um, and the and the miniseries model in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much is that, how much is that playing into like the content market and how, how do you, how have you seen, uh, Ghanaian filmmakers and African filmmakers adapting to that? The Ghanaian market, the African market is like very, very separate. If you turn on your TV in Ghana and you know, you're flipping through the channels, everything is being programmed in Ghana. You know, mm-hmm. you're not, we don't have, if you have BBC and stuff, then you're paying for like cable service sure. or satellite sure, sure. service. A lot of the foreign content that people watch are not on TV. Right. I was speaking to a friend of mine um, the other day, and he's like, um, young people are not watching TV. Right. Young people are spending spending about 90% of their time on their computers. Right. Or on their phones. You know, he's like... Um, He's like, yeah, when we were young, you know, it's a, bo- it's a big deal when you're watching TV and your parents come and they switch the channel. Now, it's like my young brother doesn't have that because he's watching whatever he wants to watch on his computer. Right. And I was in um, college. You know, a lot of the shows that we watch, we downloaded from torrent sites. Sure. The TV stations in themselves are not affected by, well, I guess they are because they don't have viewers. Right. But a lot of the viewers are are, are watching foreign foreign entertainment mm-hmm. but the problem is also the tv stations are also focusing on a lot of foreign entertainment mm-hmm. now the tv stations themselves are very much targeted to the masses as opposed to um the highly educated people or they're targeted towards the masses and then they're targeted towards older people like people like my parents are in the 50s and 60s they would sit down and watch tv mm-hmm. you know um but but a lot of the things that are on TV now, like if you go to Ghana on a afternoon like this, they're probably they probably have some sort of soap opera on TV. A sort of Spanish soap opera or something from the Philippines probably mm-hmm. or something from some Asian country, maybe Korea or somewhere, you know, um, on TV. You know, and that's what people are watching. Mm-hmm. They have Indian soap operas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm on TV as opposed to Ghanaian content. Sure. You know, and so a lot of the producers now who are making like film content, TV content and stuff end up online. Right. A lot of them are putting their stuff on YouTube, you know, um, and that's where people are consuming them. So TV is just, it's there to cater to people who do not spend their time on YouTube. Right. And those people are, (laughs) yeah, those people are essentially people who are 50 and above maybe mm-hmm. and people who don't have time to be on YouTube. Um, how much, I mean, how much is the internet and, and growing access um, along with like the way tech has changed mm-hmm. access to equipment? Like I know I, it sounds like some of, some of the limiting factor on the, on the production end is training. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is true. I mean, which is true yeah, anywhere. Much, yeah. Um, but cameras are getting cheaper. Editing mm-hmm. system, editing software mm-hmm. is getting cheaper, and mm-hmm. you don't need a you don't need a system the way you used to. Um, and your consumer base now has access. If you're like if you're an independent, and it's all about clicks mm-hmm. and uh, audience saturation. So how much how much has that increased access changed? I mean, it sounds like it's changed things a lot. But mm-hmm. but how how do you feel like forward facing? Where do you think that's going to go? Um, where do you think that increased access to tech and to audience um, is going to carry the industry in Ghana? And mm. do you think it's, is it like running parallel to uh, the industry stateside and, and in, in the Americas and 
than in Europe? Well, I think we're far behind the U.S. or you know most most developed countries that are making movies. But the positive of equipment being cheaper is there's great talent. You know, if there's one thing that I applaud, you know, my fellow Ghanaians for is our ability to um, learn and our ability to, you know, um, be creative with what we have. There are people out there day in, day out who are breaking their back to do these things, you know, mm -hmm. and people are hustling to make money. And thing is, let me put it this way, if there's new equipment out, by the time people here get it, people ain't gonna have it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they learn just as fast or even faster sure. how to use these equipment. Mm -hmm. People started using drones for weddings and, you know, some people are using it for architecture. Some people are using it for tourism. Mm -hmm. You know, what stays constant is the people are always learning and the people are always growing. Finding ways to... Um, increase your knowledge so there's some people out there who are doing really good work mm -hmm. you know with some crazy equipment music videos in ghana mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are the most high quality high visual like beautiful yeah. visuals yeah that you would see on tv mm -hmm. um our films it's for me when i when i sit down and watch music videos and then i watch our movies i wonder why our producers are not working with our music video directors mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know to create the sort of looks that they have in there cuz music video producers are showing where the industry could go right right you know they're showing these are the things we can do mm -hmm. producers film producers filmmakers are like I feel like they're still lagging behind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a money issue. I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't know why. You know, but you watch a music video. They're doing crazy stuff. They're mixing drone footage with red footage, and you don't see any of that translating into our movies. Right. You don't see any of that artistic um, um, imagery or or storytelling coming into our movies mm -hmm. you know so you would find the talent mm -hmm. there's a lot of talent back in ghana yeah you know and for me i believe you know you just need a way to channel that talent properly right you know because people are there people are hungry to do good things people mm -hmm. are hungry to do like amazing work you know but it's like everyone is in a hurry to make a quick buck right and because all I also feel because the audience doesn't know any better. Or maybe they do, but they just take what they're given. I feel like there's a lot more that the audience can get from our filmmakers. Right. They've come to realize that they're maybe not gonna get it. So they settle for whatever they're given. Mm -hmm. You know, and the internet has been and it still is, you know, a big impact. Mobile phones started getting, when they started coming in the country, when it started getting popular, it overtook everything. Now in the U.S., mobile applications are a big deal. Right. And people are talking about going mobile. Right. Africa went mobile maybe five years ago. Sure. You know, everyone right. was using mobile five years ago. If you go to Kenya, for instance, Kenya was doing a lot with mobile. They were doing mobile payments and all these things five years ago. Right. But the problem is you don't find that the system is adapting quickly to how fast the people are adapting. Right. You know, people learn quickly. People are always on the move. Right. People are always watching. Right. You know, people yeah. are they're following Ken Rockwell. They're checking out new equipment that is coming out. Whenever something new comes out, they know it. And people find ways and means to use it to work. You know, they put in the investment, they buy it, and they work with it. For for Africans and for Ghanaians especially, you know, the way we keep moving forward, from my point of view, that people have to kind of backtrack just to be able to keep up with the system because a lot of the content that comes out, I believe, can be better than it is and the people have the capability of making it better. But that system is just not ready for it. Do you think that so, like, Western media is still 
Western media. Like, right. you know, it's still, still hyper Westernized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I think that we're starting to see, we're starting to see, a, a <coughs> especially out of Hollywood studios and out of, out of, uh, TV and cable content producers, a shift towards a more multicultural structure. Mm-hmm. And, and aside from the fact that the money is going there, that consumers mm-hmm. are going there and studios mm-hmm. are, are taking more risks, taking that with, with the increased access to an audience um, for filmmakers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think as more Western audiences start looking for a diversity of, mm-hmm. of content, mm-hmm. how, how do you think that, the Ghanaian film industry and film industries around the world can, you know, leverage that and, and become, mm-hmm. bring their creative voices to bear. Hmm. That's a good question. When I was doing my master's and this is a thought that I, you know, it's, it's a thought that I've had in my head for a while now. Like the African film market, I feel like for a long time, African filmmakers have been making films for um, non-Africans. Um, we make—I feel like we make films to tell our stories, so that when Europeans or Americans watch it, they they feel like maybe validated in their in their notion of what Africa is. Right. I've, I also feel like a lot of European and I take film festivals because that's where a lot of African films end up. Mm-hmm. Be it an African film festival in Europe or in New York or Chicago, wherever you may, you know, there are a lot of film make films coming from out of Africa already that are not getting the right audience. And the right audience for me is Africans. Right. For me, I'm not, I'm, I, I see where like diversity is going in the U.S. right now. I see where multiculturalism is, is going, you know. But for me, in order to be able to break into this market or any market for that ma- matter, you know, you need to be able to sell to your people. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I don't think if I, if I can't sell something to people in my house, or if I can't convince people in my house to watch something that I have made, how can I convince someone outside my house to watch it? Right. Hollywood is very, you know, regardless of, you know, diversity and everything, you know, being important to, it's important to the message now, you know, strong female characters and diverse characters in movies and stuff like that. To be able, Hollywood is always going to be Hollywood. They're always going to make films for Hollywood. Right. You know, regardless of if it's shot in Africa or if it's shot in India, wherever it's shot at, it's going to be made so that people in the U.S. can watch it and relate to it. Now, for an actor in Ghana, for instance, how do you get on a Hollywood set if you're not popular in your country? You know, mm-hmm. to get pop mm-hmm. to be popular in your country means you're a market. It means you essentially create a market in your country. Your country becomes a market for Hollywood. Right. If they can get two or three social media influencers in Ghana, for instance, who have a huge following, they know if we have this person in our movie and we release this movie in Ghana, for instance, we're going to get at least a million dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. We're going to get people to go see the movie. Right. You watch Beasts of No Nation. Mm-hmm. Right. People ask, well, why do you put Idris Elba in such a film? Idris Elba is Nigerian, but he's also British. Right. And from my point of view, he's maybe more British than Nigerian. You know? Yeah. And if he grew up solely in Nigeria, he probably wouldn't be the Idris Elba we know today. Mm-hmm. You know, and he wouldn't be where he is. So I give the fact that he's where he is is because, you know, he grew up in Britain and he had opportunities in Britain to push him out there. And he's big in Britain. Whenever you, you put Idris Elba in a movie, you're selling, to, you're selling to the British. Right. You're not selling to Africans. Right. 
you know, you may get Africans to watch it because he's black, or you may get Africans to watch it because it's Idris Elba, mm-hmm. and it's maybe an action movie. Yeah, you know, but they're selling to the British. It makes a lot of sense that when you talk about the the narrative structure, like the thing that you're the thing that you're creating, it mm-hmm. always has to have it always has a perspective. No mm-hmm. matter what you do, when you make something, mm-hmm. it it has a point of view. I mean, think I, I mean Idris Elba is a really good example mm-hmm. of that story. It's like looking at Beasts of No Nation. That story has been told. Mm-hmm. It's been told a lot of different ways. In a lot of different ways, yes. Um, and that and that 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 film compelling and, and emotional and, and driving as it is, is definitely telling a story mm-hmm. from a perspective that is to be consumed by and internalized by a Western, specifically in a, a, a British and American audience. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that to move forward as a, any film community, they mm-hmm. any film community, whether it's an individual director or mm-hmm. a production house or a team or an entire national community of filmmakers, you have to find, you have to, you have to not just find, but embrace yourself part or mm-hmm. all of that voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's for, for me, I look at, I look at Indian films. I look at Bollywood films, right? I don't know how Bollywood started, but I feel like they made their movies for themselves. Right. I feel like for a long time, a lot of the Bollywood films did not make it to Hollywood. Yeah, for sure. You know, I feel like they made the movies so their people can like it because and they make cause they make it in their language. They make it in, they don't sub, well, I think they do subtitle it, but yeah. you know, it's like, it's for them. Yeah. And then they started catching on, you know, if an industry is growing as fast as Bollywood is growing, you know, and they figured out how to sell music through the movies. Yeah. You know, they figured out, we're going to make a music video and put it in this movie and then people are going to buy it twice. It's like you're paying for the song and you're paying for the movie. Right. You know, and the actors are the musicians, so they're making maybe double money. Right. Because then they can buy the song as a separate standalone thing and then buy the movie. Or on on the flip side from the producer end, the actor's making, I'm (coughs) making double money as the producer because I'm the the producer on both ends. Exactly. And the actors, the the talent feels good because they're Mm -hmm. making one and a half, but I only have to pay them one and a half because they did the work once. Yeah. And I get to sell it twice. Exactly. Yeah. As Ghanaians, as Nigerians, as Africans as a whole, you know, we need to be able to sell to each other. Right. You need to be able to grow your market. Ghana is not a big country. We're about 25 million people. What I think needs to happen is the industry needs to sit down to think about how do we develop ourselves. We need to go back to the basics. You know, social media is here to help us um, and all that stuff. But how do you develop yourself as an industry? You know, how do you generate sales? How do you create lasting celebrities? How do you how do you celebrities generate sales for you? Well, it seems like the two sides of the community, the Hollywood community, and I feel like I've been mispronouncing this this all afternoon. The <laughs> Kumawood community. That's right. Perfect. Both have have a handle on half of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hollywood community has more of a handle on the on the production and the and the and the actual the, exactly the craft, like the the physical craft in the same way that like making a chair takes the engineering of mm-hmm. making a chair. And then on the Kumawood side, you have the craft of connecting with people mm-hmm. and creating a narrative. Yeah. Um, and that the the best the best path forward, the path mm-hmm. of greatest success forward, is to take those two spaces and, and bring them together. together. Now, in in merging those two together as well, we also need to think about distribution. <laughs> you get it, because here's the thing, and and this is. This is something that I see as a problem in Ghana. Everybody should be able to go to a theater and watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone, mm-hmm. regardless of regardless of your social whatever. Yeah. But the 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 way the way theaters are set up, it feels like an event. Mm-hmm. If you're going to the if you're going to go watch a movie, it feels like a production. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like oh, you got to dress up, and you have to you know wear nice clothes. You have to put on makeup, blah blah blah, because you're going on a date to go watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to bring watching movies to its base level. We need to bring back the community theaters. If I can travel across the country from north to south, and there's a cinema everywhere I go, community cinemas don't have to be 
super expensive. Right. They have to be enough so that the person, the farmer, you know, can take his kids to go watch a movie. Right. Or the farmer's kids could go watch a movie themselves in in maybe their local language because the country has a million languages. Yeah. You know, not literally, but we have a ton. There's languages everywhere you go. But people speak, there are languages that people understand across board. Most people would speak that. And I feel like we need to spend more time in making our films good and making our films accessible to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about selling DVDs. You know, if you can get someone to come back to watch a movie three or four times, they are paying you for the price of a DVD. Yeah. And if the art has legs like that, if, mm-hmm. the, if the art has that kind of appeal, mm-hmm. then people will come back for people the next thing. People will come back. They'll keep, and they'll, they'll come back for, for, for a new thing and, and they'll tell other people. Yeah. You know, people will bring their, you will bring your friends. And mm-hmm. as you go, people will create the time for it. Mm. You know, people will create the time to go to the theater. But if it's not there and it feels like, it feels like, oh, the only time you can go to the cinema is like, when is your birthday? Oh, it's your birthday now. So let's, oh, it's Christmas. So let's, let's take the family to go watch a movie. Yeah. You know, it should be a year round thing. You should sit down, set timetables, say we're coming out with movies. There's a matter of movies as a studio this year. Even if you're doing pop-up cinemas and just traveling the country with your stuff. And if my Ghanaians are listening, you know, they're charging people maybe two, five CDs to come watch this. Five CDs is about maybe a dollar. If you target the right people, they will make the time to come watch it. Mm-hmm. And as as the voice becomes stronger and more relatable, mm-hmm. and as the product becomes, and as the, the media gets stronger and mm-hmm. more enjoyable, people more people will make time. Yeah. And people will tell other people exactly. they should make time. Exactly. And, and then you can do co-productions between mm-hmm. various institutions, various countries, you know. Mm-hmm. And Nigeria has a big film market. Nigeria is doing really good when it comes to film. You know, mm-hmm. I applaud the Nigerians for, you know, taking the time mm-hmm. and putting in the work, you know, to create really good quality, you know, sometimes very good character-driven stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they feel m- modern and they feel, you know, they are strong. Um, there's a movie called Mother of, jo- uh, Mother of George mm-hmm. that's on Netflix. It's a really good movie. It's about a it's about a Nigerian woman. She gets married to this guy, you know, and they live in like New York, and it's about the pressures of family when it comes to like childbearing, having children after mm-hmm. marriage mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's a really good movie. I feel like one of the big advantages of like moving the moving the communities back together, mm-hmm. or 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 finding a way to work together to to create that both that unique voice and that centralized market. Mm-hmm. Is that in the world of Netflix and mm-hmm. international distribution, mm-hmm. having a unified front that says, "Okay, cool, we can lobby to say Netflix, Netflix can still be here. We can we'll lobby for all the same stuff and access for the people here in Ghana mm-hmm. under the stipulation that our film and our television mm-hmm. is represented. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that not just like the." Uh, it's it's a weight to offset the danger of oversaturation when it comes from from like that paid media space. Right. The you know to use the word lobby is to assume the government gives a shit. They don't. I'm not even thinking about lobby. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm not thinking about lobby. I'm thinking about you know? I'm, like I'm thinking about the industry directly. Like you know, it's like we're producing you know we're producing content. And granted, I'm coming at that from a from a very different perspective. Right now, like. From the way I look at it, there's no industry. Like, on paper, on paper, there's a film industry. Sure. When it comes down to it, everybody's doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, and everyone is fighting. Everyone is essentially fighting their own individual fight for their film to be seen. Mm -hmm. And that's also a problem. Yeah. You know, it's a very, like I said before, it's a very small industry. It's even smaller when you start looking at 
at it from a production house point point of view because mm-hmm. it's just small production house small production house small production house small production i'm doing my own film i'm doing my own film mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and it's like we're fighting against, against each other right. whereas if we all came together to form one huge studio with whatever resources that we have we could probably make one good film right let's say we just made one good film the whole year but we can sit down pull great talent you know, right. pull great writers and then do something really, really good. Something that is worth, you know, people taking time to go see. Yeah. You know, not something that you watch today and forget tomorrow. You won't you won't you won't see it twice. Right. If you won't see it twice, there's no point buying the D V D for it. <laughs> because exactly. you saw it in the theater, you didn't like it or you kind of liked it, but okay. Some people are creating their own kind of video on demand service to kind of sell their stuff to mm-hmm. you. Whereas you can create a video on demand service to collect everyone's stuff. Yeah. And then sell and it. And then distribute it. Yeah. Everyone feels like, you know, I have to make my own thing and make my own money. Right. Whereas, you know, I mean, we could make more money if we all came together, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like, and if we all came together as well, we could have a bigger voice to get the government more involved. Right. I don't think it's right for a Ghanaian film producer to have to fight for space or airtime with a foreign filmmaker or yeah. a foreign film or a foreign soap opera. Right? Yeah. But it's unfortunately it's cheaper to acquire a foreign film a foreign soap opera or series or whatever and just throw it on your TV. And chances are you're going to have a lot more people watching it. Mm-hmm. And because it's mm-hmm. being sold solely on ads, mm-hmm. you know, in Ghana, you find businesses that want to sponsor, they will buy airtime, mm-hmm. you know, and say, put this on there and then show my ads. Right, right. That's it. Yeah. For me, I feel like we can get better. You know, we need to figure out a way to create a market because we don't have a market. Right. Everyone sells to someone, you know, but it's, it's not, if you ask, I don't know how many movies are coming out of Ghana every year. I don't know. If you ask, maybe the producers know how much they're making every year. Could they make more? Pretty much. I think they can. Mm-hmm. I think they can make a lot more if, if they're able to streamline. And even with television, you know, just putting your things on television. We need to sit down and figure out a way of how to grow the industry by country and then as a continent. Because if we can work with each other as well, then it's a bigger market to sell to. Yeah. And it's a bigger voice. And it's a bigger voice, yes. Because I feel like if we're original to ourselves and original to telling our own stories, because I see what films and the media has done to the development of, say, the U.S., mm you know, and also how it has been used to shape mindsets, you know, and to create stereotypes and all these things mm-hmm. and to break stereotypes and all these things as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, I feel like we can use films, songs, all sorts of media. We can use that as catalyst to development, you know, if we're brave enough to sit down and tackle the issues that we're facing and not just looking for a quick laugh or some roman- some romantic story somewhere or, you know, trying to figure out our next sex scene, you know, and we're trying to write really, really strong stories that is addressing the issues that we're facing right now as a country and as a continent. As creatives, we should be able to see change and then show it to people. Because if people can visualize the change, they can work towards it. But if all we hear and all we feel is like everyone is complaining and no one is offering up a solution, then we're always going to be complaining. Then we're always going to be, you know, yelling in our cars at ourselves, yelling in traffic. You know, always going to be, always going to be wondering why everything is so bad, because you can't see the solution. But creatives should be able to do that. It's it's for me. I feel like we have a long way to go, but we also have. If we want to, and if people are willing to, you know, sit down and put the work into it, we can we can 
we can get there or we can make a good amount of change in a short amount of time. Yeah. That's how I feel, you know. That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Wilhelm at applyingtoeverything.xyz slash guests. And you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at WilhelmHessa underscore. You can find out more about the show at applyingtoeverything.xyz. We're on iTunes and Google Play, where you can subscribe to, rate, and review the show. If you're in the D.C. area and you don't get enough of me in the show, check out Cloaking Device, a long-form improv team I perform with through Laugh Index Theater. We're performing tonight, October 2nd, at DC Art Center in Adams Morgan. Doors are at 8 p.m., and tickets are available at improvwars.bpt.me. We're also putting on a special Halloween show, October 28th. Thanks to Humble Fire for the use of our theme song, Mount St. Misery, off of The Great Resolve, available on iTunes, Spotify, and at humblefire.band. I'd also like to thank Chiara Scarcella for designing our logo. Tune in next week for my conversation with Scott Brown about acting, politics, performing on stage, and in office. Talk to you then.